0: I usually get scolded uh, when I come over without Debbie. You know, people say, "Hello, Len. How are you? Where's Debbie?" Uh, So, um, nice to have uh, Debbie here um, as well. And uh, we're just so uh, so grateful to be to the leadership here uh, that has continued on with the work of God. Thank you. Where's where Steve is this morning? Whenever I preach at a church within the uh, Salt Life, it seems like the pastors go off. I was in Wantage last week. And Neil just chose to go to Swindon, and uh, here I am in Oxford, and uh, so I don't know whether they, oh, okay, yeah, right, um, so afraid of getting under conviction, or just what it is, or my preaching, I, I, I don't know, but um, wonderful leadership here. Andy uh, O'Connell, we just came from the Salt and Light Conference this week. That was our, uh, that was our excuse to come over. Uh, to be with the international uh, leaders, and what an amazing job of a, a team of people with administrative gifts uh, it owes it me. It's a, it's and Carol putting together our our schedule and itinerary. It, it's scary when people don't drop details. That's amazing. I do that all the time. I do it wrong all the time. So thank you for uh, for all that's uh, that's uh, being done here and leading this wonderful body of believers uh, forward. Thanks for some old friends who are here visiting. Lizzie Jo, good to see you. uh, Yeah, Tim and Sarah, thanks for being here. Walmers and others whose names that I, just forgive me, I won't be able to just go down the list here today. Uh, We've enjoyed the hospitality of Naomi. I'm not sure where Naomi is, Naomi Gray, but uh, again, being hosted in her home. A longtime friend from when Naomi was a student here uh, at Oxford. And uh, blessed, blessed our lives in many ways. And D- Dave Perry, is he here too? Or is he off teaching theology? Yeah, yeah, there, there you are. Hey, I hear you're heading off to uh, our 51st state or something. Isn't that right? <laughs> RJ? Yeah, yeah, it's cold in Winnipeg, brother. God bless you as you go there. Uh, I guess somebody's got to do it. Um, they tell me they keep their Christmas lights up until, like, Easter or something, because it's so depressing. You just need light, you know, and just any excuse for, for joy when you're in Winnipeg. But wonderful folks up there. But uh, what a contribution you've made um, to so many lives, Dave, and we, we, do, we honor you uh, for what you've invested in so many, and uh, you'll see a return uh, on that investment uh, one day. Uh, who are others uh, Mike Beaumont is around he came he 's assigned here to check on my theology as I, uh, as I speak well uh, you 've touched our lives, and you know i don 't know if any of you do gardening, but when you when you transplant a, a plant, you, you always um, i 've been gardening in our family we do vegetable gardening flowers are pretty, but you can 't eat them, so we did vegetable gardening. <laughs> Um, And I was taught by my grandfather and my father, you you know, before you transplant something from one pot to another or out to the garden, you always uh, make the soil moist and you make a nice uh, little uh, ball of soil around the roots and then you put it in its new soil. So wherever you're transplanted, you're, you're always taking a bit of the soil of where you've been with you. If you were to just shake off the soil... Uh, and plop it into, even if it's nutrient-rich new soil, you get root burn. And uh, that's not a good thing. Plants don't like that. They're not happy. Um, But how wonderful that when our God moves us from place to place, as he he will do in the seasons of our lives, there's that moistening and then packing some of the soil around the roots, and then you're transplanted to new soil, or perhaps a bigger pot if you've been root-bound in the one you're in, but you always take something with you and never forget the people that have invested in your life they seem like a small thing but it's not Uh, those nutrients help you to be where you are now and any fruit that Debbie and I happen to be producing for our Lord is in part because friends like you um, touched our lot, had us for dinner Gosh, the Larkins, is Hannah still there? She, yeah, yeah, made me some nice puddings when we visited your house. Um, in little ways and great, uh, we touch each other's lives. There are no little people in, in the kingdom of God. And the little acts that you do that seem so significant, insignificant, perhaps in your own eyes, like stopping on the road to assist a man who's fallen in with robbers, Jesus stops and commends that, or the little widow who puts her, her two bits into into the, the offering. God sees all of that stuff. And we should try to see that as well and honor one another for uh, the things that, uh, that are being done uh, out of love uh, for our Lord. Well, this morning, um, I'd like to uh, pick up on the theme that um, actually it was given to me. They asked, it was sort of a challenge. Len, if we give you a theme... Can you preach on that instead of world missions? Um, so um, I, I always try to uh, honor leadership, so I'll do, I'll do my best. But um, well, first, just to see our, our tribe uh, there, uh, you know, we have three uh, adult children, uh, two sons and a daughter, and uh, they're producing grandchildren for us, which have multiplied since we moved to the States. We now have five grandsons. Uh, Some of you would recognize Melissa there in the front, uh, on the left-hand side, who would come over each summer to Oxford, and you also blessed her and welcomed her. And she's got a little boy there, uh, Jacob, Jacob Bear, and uh, expecting another one this October. You've noticed, some of you who are shrewd and astute will notice we've just managed, we've got grandsons. Um, And that's partly because we worked in the Islamic world, and uh, (laughs) they really like, when a woman produces sons, she's honored. So uh, there must have been in the water or in the air or some (laughs) such thing like that. Right. Well, as I prayed about this morning and uh, what to to share in these few moments that we have uh, together, uh, there were a number of texts that came to mind when we're, we're talking about encountering God through his word. And we could look at the life of Jesus and how Jesus lived by the word of God. When you look at his teaching, he underlined the authority of the word of God. He said, your word is truth. He said, the scripture cannot be broken. So many things that underline the authority of scripture. Um, he, he, uh, by his teaching, by his very life, fulfilling scripture. When he encountered trials or obstacles, Satan, satanic temptation, it was as it is written. Uh, he would quote the scriptures. We could go there. But I sense this morning the Lord wanted me to build on what I hope is a is a solid foundation for you. The authority of the Scriptures is, it, it derives from the Lord Jesus Himself. Actually, there are many ways to look at the authority of Scripture, but if you love Jesus, you have got to love His Word. You've got to love the Word of God because this is what Jesus did. Uh, so, if you're in any way, is it is it accurate? Is it true? Is it completely true? Well, Jesus said it cannot be broken. He said your word is truth, and so on. So, if you honor Jesus, you've got to honor God's Word. But I felt this morning that I wanted to focus on a scripture that um, in, in many ways uh, I think will help us to see how God speaks and uses his word to transform our lives. So uh, if you'd like you can turn in your uh, Bibles or your iPads or iPhones or whatever to Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 6. We'll put this up on the screen if you don't have that with you no, no worries and uh, j- read the word of God. This is uh, Second Corinthians, um, one, four verses one to six. Oops, sorry. There we go. There we are. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Father, may we see some of that this morning as we talk together and listen to your word. So we think about encountering God through his word Let's first marvel on the fact that God speaks. That's a wonder in itself. God talks. Now, sometimes in our experience, in our pilgrimage, there are times when it's hard to hear him. You know what I'm talking about? Or he seems completely silent. That's often a pause in between his speaking. Sometimes it's a pause for effect as one does, but God speaks, and the amazing thing is that he speaks our our language as well that God deigns to, to to speak in the words of human beings, and the scripture is meant to be the Bible is meant to be translated into all the languages of our world, very different from our Muslim friends who the Quran is in, is coming, it comes from God it's a copy of the heavenly book it is in Arabic that is the word of God for them any other so called translation is actually an interpretation it doesn't have the same authority not like the Arabic and so in Islam the word the heavenly word becomes word in liberation the word becomes word word becomes a book in the gospel The Word becomes flesh. And he lived amongst us. That's Christ. So the comparison is not one prophet to another. It's actually a book, the Quran, to our Lord Jesus Christ. That's just a conversational piece with our Muslim friends. But God speaks our language. And this becomes the principle for mission with our world because there are two great principles of mission. One is the incarnation, the Word becoming flesh. God entering into space and time. He's not sort of lingering between heaven and earth. No, it was sandals on the ground in Palestine. And so that becomes the principle for mission for us. As the Father, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. In the same way, the same manner, the same purpose, the same spirit, I send you. The other principle of mission is the Word of God itself, the written Word of God. God speaks human language. It's amazing that God does that. So we, we, one of the things that's encouraged me just in the past couple of months, I had a meeting recently in the United Arab Emirates with some of our, our teammates when we were uh, living on the Pakistan-Afghanistan border. We had a team there, and the work we began is being continued and built upon by, by other wonderful and faithful friends and, and colleagues. But it was a delight to see, for example, that uh, when we were there, we were able to help with the New Testament in, the, in a language, that's spoken in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Now they're working on the Old Testament in a couple of dialects. And, and they're up through the song, working on the Psalms and up into the prophets. And, and now they're, they're, they're making that word available online. And so our Muslim friends can download written copies of it. There's audio scripture. They're putting them on, uh, you know, the little SD cards, you know, that you get. And it's just like this little bit right here has Jesus film on it uh, in their language. It's got scriptures on there. It's just amazing how the word is going out. So um, God's word is so powerful. And uh, the, radio, the response to radio broadcasts into that part of the world is off the charts. They're getting callbacks from Muslims in Afghanistan and Pakistan, from madrasas, from the religious training schools that tend to produce jihadis. They're getting calls with questions God's word is powerful and he speaks our language and that's why it's so vital that we share the gospel with people from every tribe and language and people and nation and we see that when God speaks it is called the word of God and it is called truth so when we share the gospel, when you read the Scripture, you are reading God deigning to speak in human language. It's truth. It is God who said, Paul, and Paul says in this, this chapter. Second, when God speaks, He speaks to and through His people. We are a people of the Word. The church, the body of Christ, is in the famous marks of the church, as you say, in the creed, one, holy. Catholic, which means universal, and apostolic. It's built on the foundation of the apostles, but also of apostolic truth. So whenever we divert from that truth, that faith, as it's described, the faith once for all delivered to the saints back in time. Uh, If we divert from that, we've diverted from from God in his word. So we build upon apostolic truth, apostolic also in the sense that we're sent into the world with this word of truth. It's good, good news uh, for others. Um, we saw the power of God's word, and we continue to see this today through various workers and teams uh, spread around the world. As, as Muslims are willing to sit down with the scriptures, uh, there's a revelation of who God is as they begin to sit with the word. And we saw over a period of time as they would, there would be what we call now discovery Bible studies. Um, just looking at the text together, what does it say about God? What does it say about us? We're, what is here that we should obey? Um, there's gradual unfolding revelation to, uh, to to hearts. I was sitting with a gentleman. I went yesterday, I wandered about Oxford. That was my day to wander about and visit old places and so on. And um, I decided I, uh, I had my obligatory Italian coffee at, at, at uh, Cafe Nero and then I went to uh, Waterstones and I was, went in to, to sit uh, down and it was crowded as it is, often is and I saw a seat over there beside an elderly gentleman and um, there being no other real options, I politely asked if I could sit in the spot next to him and we ended up having, he, he was someone who wants to talk we found those kinds of people. They're, they're around, you know, yeah. um, if you'll look up. Um, but we began to uh we began to chat. Um 91 years old, Kenneth is. Um, and we the talk turned after hearing about his life and his life story as I listened and gently asked questions and shared why we were in Oxford. He's lived here all his life. At one point he said why did you choose to sit beside me, if I may ask? Yeah. Um, he said, other people come in. He, he's there three days a week. He goes in from Headington and has his coffee. He says, other people come in and they sit down and they prop up their laptop. And he, he said, you just sort of know they don't want to be bothered. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's very British, isn't it? Uh, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah I know it is that's why I'm challenging you with the word of God this morning <laughs> well why would I not sit there I found, now I was there I found a 700 page book down on the first floor and I was anxious to read a certain chapter that dealt with the history of Central Asia and Christianity breaking into Central Asia so I had the book there but Kenneth over here and in those moments you got to make a call don't you Is what you want to do important or what God wants to do, possibly in the life of a man? Kenneth doesn't go to church. He said he's never gone to church. Has he read the Bible? No. Can't say that he has. Um, And right now he can't see very clearly to, to read it. So it took someone speaking, telling him, But one of my, an Afghan I met once on a flight from Kabul to Dubai, he said, what a wonderful, what a beautiful story. And I told him the story of the gospel. What a beautiful story. No one's ever told me that before. And so he listened. I said, at one point, Kenneth, can I ask you a question? Do you you ever think about the next life? What's coming next? Because he said most of his friends have died. And he said, no, can't say that I do. I said, I didn't want to tell him. You you might want to think about that. (laughs) He did point out, he said, my beard's whiter than yours. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, I told him, I think about that life. what a privilege. God speaks to people. He speaks to us. That we, he might speak through us to those around us. And I told him about how he could be in heaven with God forever and ever Go to the father's house. That's how I like to think about dying. You get to go to the father's house. Our dear Lulu is up there dancing and throwing rose petals in front of in the father's house today, isn't she, George? God bless you. I went later that afternoon after spending an hour with with Kenneth. Um, we did a few things, and then I had to get a new phone, so I wandered into uh, one of the cell phone places still on yeah there we go uh in core market and uh the fellow helped me and got me all set up and and i just uh he asked where i traveled to that i needed this kind of phone and so i told him i go to dubai and pakistan and turkey and i knew what i was doing when i dropped the word pakistan um, because that's where he later confessed that's where i'm from my folks are from and so 20 minutes with maz Talking to him about family and about the country where he was born, but he was raised here. Um, asked him if he'd ever read the holy books. Just the, just the Quran, he said. What about uh, the Injili Sharif, the, the, the Gospels? No, I haven't read that. What about the Tawarati Sharif, the, the books of Moses? Muslims believe in that too, you know. No, he hasn't read that. Well, the Psalms of David, perhaps, as a Abu Sharif. No, he hasn't read that. He said, this rule. He confessed somewhat sheepishly. I said, these are really good books to read. You know." And I told him the story. We talked about Abraham. He knew the outline of the story, but not the meaning of the story. Abraham offering his son as a sacrifice and, and God providing another sacrifice. The son was condemned to die, just like us. We're condemned to die. We don't even know it. Most people don't even know it because of our sin. But God provides a lamb, sheep. They say a ram. And he dies in our place. And then the son goes free. You believe in that sacrifice. You're going to be with God forever. We, uh, we talked briefly about the bridge to heaven. I said, uh, you know what? You, ha- you have a bridge to paradise, don't you? He uh, said, yeah. I said, it's called the paliswarat, right? Yeah. I said, what's it like? I knew, but I needed to ask him. He said, "It's uh, sharper than your hair." I said, "That's right. Um, it's it's as thin as your hair, sharper. Sorry, thin as your hair, sharper than a sword." And what's underneath it? I asked Maz. He said, uh, "Fire." I said, "Yeah, that's right." I said, you know what? There's another bridge. <laughs> it's that sacrifice, the qurban, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, friends. See, we, we receive, what a treasure to have the word of God. What an amazing thing. And through us, God speaks to others. And that's what Paul says. We have this ministry. We have it by God's mercy. I'm a sinner. I needed mercy. That's how I can talk to people because, hey, we're on the level plane. This is not Muslim versus Christian or Hindu or Buddhist or any other. We need help. I needed a savior. The good news, by God's mercy, he found me. Wonders. So we preach not ourselves, but Jesus is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord ourselves as your servants for, for Jesus' sake. Thirdly, as we encounter God in His word, He reveals something of our hearts. Uh, Paul says, describes the heart, if you look here. We do not lose heart. have you ever lost heart? I have. It hurts, doesn't it? Our hearts as humans tend toward secret, shameful ways. He talks about deception the distorting of truth, uh, our conscience. He mentions that the gospel is veiled, our minds are blinded. So we cannot see the light of the gospel. Um, I'd like Debbie to come, and Debbie's going to speak to us a bit about our hearts and how the Word of God reveals our hearts and helps us to know ourselves.
1: As I sit listening to Len and kind of listening to my heart and listening to what I know of some of you, um, others of you I've never met, and I'm sorry about that. I would love that opportunity. But as I see that phrase, lose heart, and as I listen to Len, it seems like there's a seeking, there's a, a speaking and a listening. The word is something that speaks to us, and our response is to listen. And somehow there's a danger of losing heart, of um, becoming dull of heart and what does that mean Um, as you listen to your own heart when do you notice or what things come about that cause you to lose your heart or to expand it even to become dull of heart and part of what I do is sit with people and listen to their hearts that's about all I do I'm not a big talker. I'm, I like to listen more. Some of you who know me, you get frustrated with that. You'll say, Debbie, talk about you. So I'm really much more of a listener, but I listen to the movements of the heart. And the heart is a tricky thing, as you've seen there. All those words, some of them are deceitful and they're negative. And sometimes our hearts, out of our hearts springs life, too. So we're at peril if we don't listen to our hearts, if we don't let our hearts speak, I, half of what I do is encourage people to acknowledge the truth of their hearts. Like, you know, we're so scared of our hearts, because our hearts speak truth. Our heads can, like, mask it, and they can block the word, or they can use the word as kind of a wall to keep out the truth. Like, if I just say the scripture enough, or if I, I mean, that can be faith, too, so it's tricky, but... To really listen to our hearts is kind of a scary prospect sometimes, especially if our hearts are wandering or we're losing hearts. And I've seen that from people here, maybe some of the empty seats or maybe you, me. I've had times where I've I've been in danger of losing my heart. And the deeper, scarier thing is no one would ever notice. I can play this game so well. You guys would never know. You would never, ever know. I might cry at night or I might... I might, I don't know, there's lots of things we do when we hide, right? You fill in the blanks. You probably know because you do it. I would get busier. I'd impress you more with the things I did rather than who I was. Um, I know I'd be scared. And I know I'd be afraid because no one would be there for me, maybe. So my call to you today, um, in my own kind of weakness as well, is to be a speaker. Let the words speak. You speak. Let your heart speak. Speak out to each other. Talk. Speak truth. Don't hide. Don't pretend. Yeah, we all were strong. We all believe the word. We've been through Bible college or we've done other things. or You've been here for a long time, some of you, and your prophetic words are just spot on. Oh, I love that. But you still have places in your heart that you don't want other people to see. They're secret, locked off places. Maybe even to yourself, that's the worst thing. But most probably to other people. So then I ask you to speak other listen listen to your own heart speak to others find one or two i mean it's not like everybody's not safe trust me i know that you know i i know that some people would use it against me if they knew it was going on or i don't know all sorts of things not strong robust enough you know they might tell you their story oh that happens all the time you know like oh well let me tell you what i'm going through before i even get a word out you know so find somebody that can listen to you and on the contrary and what would be the word? You guys are so smart. But the, op- the other side of that would be to listen to each other. Don't be afraid of what's in a heart that's come to you, okay? Don't be afraid. Oh, I feel so passionate about this. Don't be afraid of anything anyone would tell you, okay? Because you have the words, and you don't have to slam them with the word either. You know, like, don't do that, please. Don't, like, hit them with the word right away. Because that can that can just shut people up. That can just send them back into hiding. Gosh, the bolt is even more closed across their heart. When you do that, you know the word. God knows the word. God can handle it. You need to find a big enough heart that you can handle it too. Ask him for it. I do it all the time. I get so scared sometimes when I'm sitting and listening to what's in somebody's heart. Sometimes I have to grab the chair so I don't run away, to be honest. And I'm used to it. But I still, the depths of our hearts, and these are good people. I work with seminary students, so I mean, I'm not out in the street, you know, like common sinners. (laughs) Just... To sinners, <laughs> seminary sinners. Oh, God, help me. I can tell you stories, but I won't. But, <laughs> but, you know, really, really ask God for big enough hearts to be with weird people. I am weird. I'm American for one thing. And you have to give me grace. And you guys always, always have. You Always love me in my weirdness. Ask him to give you more love for even more weird people like me. Okay, in the truth. Because I can pretend. Don't let people pretend around you. Watch. Watch closely. Um, be a safe person. Be a safe person. Be someone that can be entrusted with the truth. Don't be somebody that goes and tells somebody, and don't hide it in, oh, let me, you know, we need to pray for this person, and then you blab everything. I mean, I like to do it, too, because it feels, you know, I don't know what it feeds. There's something in Scripture about that that's kind of bad about <laughs> gossip. But I don't know. Gossip is more than that. So be a safe receptacle for what people say. Be honest. Share the truth. Open your hearts. Be both a speaker from your heart, a listener to your heart, a speaker to God. Like don't leave that out, and a listener to God. Thank you. No, don't. I don't like
0: that. Thank you, Debbie. See, to really know God, you've got to know yourself. The depth of our deception, our distorted views of reality, distorted views of God, distorted views of others, distorted views of circumstances. And until we understand the depth of our blindness, our capacity to distort and to deceive and be self-deceived, until we know the depth of our own sin, and until we know our own hearts, We cannot know the depth of God's grace. So to really know God, the theologians tell us, you've got to know yourself. And conversely, to really know yourself, you've got to know God. Because he made you. He understands you. He knows what's going on in the deepest part of your heart. And that's what the word of God does, that sword of the spirit piercing to the deepest part of us. That's why we need the word of God in our lives because we cannot see ourselves clearly and we can't see God clearly. And so that's the fourth brief point this morning that as we encounter God through his word, we encounter something of God, what he's really like. Paul says that it's the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. What a beautiful way of of phrasing it. Uh, That... When we, the, the glory of Christ who is the image of God. When you see Christ, you see God. And we see Jesus Christ as not merely a rabbi paddling about Palestine in sandals, but Lord, the risen Lord, who pours out his spirit, his spirit, on us. And so we want to grow to know him more each day. God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This scripture has always been a huge encouragement to me because it says it's God who turns on the lights. Do you have friends you want to come to know Jesus? God is the one that turns on the lights. Now, you've got to do your part. We love by word, by deed. There's a certain display of God's glory that's meant to come through our lives. But there's also a declaration of his glory through his word. Notice God said at the very beginning, this is quoting from Genesis God said, Let there be light. And as He spoke His word, that creative word changed all of reality. There was light. Now, here's the amazing thing. Now, this is what God does with us. That light He made to shine in our hearts. This is unbelievable that God does it. You see what Paul's doing here? He's comparing. What happens inside of it was what, happens, what happened at the very beginning of the cosmos. God said, let there be light. That, that, was a pretty, that was a pretty good day for God. You know what I'm saying? And as he looks at you and me, think back to the day you first came to know him. By his grace, he found you. You may think you're little, small, insignificant. He found you. He knows your name. God counts. To remind my students. I deal with statistics. Things about missions. 1.7 million Muslims. Blah, 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 blah. Most important statistic is 99 and 1. You know what I'm saying? 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. And when he got to that 99, he went out and found a sinner like Mike Bulma. He knew his name. He knew where he was. He went out and found Andy. Dan. Erica. He found me. He found you. He counts. He counts. And that God said, let there be light. Oh, that's that's so amazing to me that God did that. He shines it in our hearts to give us the light. What kind of light? It's the light of a certain knowledge, a deeper knowledge, a surpassing knowledge of what? God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Coming to salvation is not simply about coming to Jesus and getting cleaned up and you got promise of eternal life. Amen. This is, salvation is really coming to understand who God really is. That's so amazing. He's not mean. He's not crabby. He's not scowling at you when you wake up in the morning. He's not holding things against you. He loves you. That's another difference between in theology of God within Islam they say God is merciful and compassionate. Bismillah He's the most merciful and compassionate, but he's only that if he chooses to be. Because it's all up to the will of God. He's not bound by his character. He's not bound by his word. He can do whatever he wills. That is akin to a cosmic bully if you're not careful. But the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in perfect balance, love and holiness, righteousness and goodness and kindness and... We could go on and on in perfect harmony and perfect balance all of the time. And when you look at Jesus Christ, you see the Father. Well, last summer, uh, Deb and I, had we were at conference in Central Asia, or some meetings in Central Asia, and then a conference and some stuff going on in Turkey. And on the way back, uh, we, we, uh, we passed through Rome, as you do. Um, and we took the opportunity to, uh, to go visit a place where we hadn't had an opportunity to visit before, to the Sistine Chapel. We went on the day, you know, on certain Sundays it's free, you know, so the price is right. So we, we uh, quickly got in line, and I just led Debbie lead us, and we did uh, kind of a triage tourist trip through the Vatican Museum, which basically means follow me, do not stop, do not look to the right or the left. Bam, we just hit to this, the last part of the tour at Sistine Chapel and just sat and, gazed at the magnificence there, the Pope's private uh, chapel. But the centerpiece of that is uh, is a very beautiful one, a very famous one, as you may know, the, uh, the painting of the creation of Adam, where you see uh, this uh, depiction of, of God the Father and creating Adam, and that, you look closely, you know, his view of what God looked like, uh, that'd be a hard one to paint, but this one, just the, the reaching out of God's hand to create Adam. It's a a magnificent painting, isn't it? But since the fall, we've been separated from God. Since since Adam and Eve chose to align with the dark side, humankind has been separated from God and ever since God's been saying, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And since the death and resurrection of Christ, it's kind of what's foreshadowed in what he said to his friend Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. Remember, he said, Lazarus, come out. So it's not only where are you, but come out. And some people, as the Puritan said, it's a good thing he said Lazarus, come out, because otherwise he would have raised everybody from the dead. He knows your name. And he's calling you and me to him. Another famous painting, Rembrandt's uh, Return of the Prodigal, we also see something of a window into the heart of God and what He's like, the glory of God shining on the face of Jesus as, as Jesus paints the picture, the story of that son who got his inheritance early, insulted the father, dishonored him, shamed him, ran off. But then, as he ran into deep, deep trouble in his lives, as many of us in his life, as many of us have done, um, returned to the father in repentance, and you see the. The gentle but strong hands of the Father embracing that son. Lost his hair. He's dirty, filthy. Lost a sandal. But the the loving, caring face of the Father. Jesus said, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. As you go about Oxford, as you go about your life, your home life, school, wherever you are, the streets of Oxford, know that it's the Father in you doing his work. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. I'd like to encourage you to encounter God in his word because he speaks. Let him talk with you. Be silent, as Debbie said. Sometimes we're we're doing all the talking. We're not really quiet and listening. It can be uncomfortable to do that, but God speaks. He speaks to and through his people to others. Now, I didn't set up yesterday's encounters with Kenneth or with Ma's. In fact, it interrupted my day. The one day I had to walk about Oxford, but you know what? It's worth it all. It's worth it all. Because we have to be about our father's business. You know what I'm saying? It's the father living in me, doing his work. And who knows, but that, as I encouraged Kenneth, I said, you might consider as you're out on your walks, as he does each day, to, to just pray. Well, he doesn't know how to pray. I says, "Well, talk to him as you would to your father." and say, "Father, I don't know a whole lot about you, but I'd like to know you." And that American chap that sat beside me here uh, told me that you're a good God. And I'd like to go to your house someday. I don't know if this is true or not, but that American chap said that it is. <laughs> and so allow God's word to flow through you. Not just the people you know, but surprises in your life. Would you be open to that? Let God interrupt your, your day. Would that be okay? Would be okay to be non-British and actually slightly intrude, not rudely, into someone else's privacy sphere? To share some good news. And allow God to reveal our heart to us because when you know your own heart you can sympathize and empathize with the hearts of others who've been where you are. They've lost heart. And they need someone to tell them about God's heart. Thank you, Father, for this time that we've had uh, together today. And we pray for a greater revelation of who you really are let your light shine even into the secret places of our hearts, Lord. The places we're a little afraid to go by ourselves. And Lord, would you shine the light of your face, the glory of God shining on the face of Jesus would help us to see more of that and to share that and reflect that, display that to others. In Jesus' name,